Hello and welcome to the Christmas edition of Newspeak. We're going to be looking at the year in review here in Peter Whittle's beautiful home. And we're, of course, joined by the founder and director of the New Culture Forum, Peter Whittle. We're also joined, as usual, by historian and senior fellow, Rafe Hadel Mancou, and by Philip Kisseli, also senior fellow and historian academic. So we are going to be talking, as I say, about the year in review. We're going to go through some of the biggest uh, themes and subjects that we've seen this year, and there's an awful lot uh, to cover. And we'll be also looking at some of our personal best bits. So shall we begin, Rafe, by talking about the biggest story of this year, um, and that focuses on the monarchy, which is very timely given that we're here in Windsor. Yes, absolutely, with Windsor Castle just behind us. And what a year it's been for the monarchy, from the sublime to the ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> ridiculous being the Netflix documentary of Harry and Meghan, the less of which we speak about, the better. <clears throat> but clearly the major event of the year has been um, the death of our sovereign lady, the Queen, uh, indeed, one of the top 10 events of the decade in not just British history, but I think global history. Mm. And I was just trying to think 2012 to 2022. I'd say probably even in the top five. You know, we've got COVID, war in Ukraine, election of Trump, Brexit, and I think the death of the Queen <coughs> puts it into that top five. And it's a significant event because really we're not just mourning the death of someone who served this nation, but it's almost as if we're mourning the death of a certain Britain. Mm. Or, or are actually those predictions of death premature because we mm -hmm. saw from the outpouring of love yeah. and affection for the Queen, that same old British stoicism present with these vast queues going down the Thames, people queuing for uh, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 hours to get a, a chance to glimpse. Yeah. But the Queen's reign really symbolizes, I think, the change in Britain, some might say the decline in Britain, a reign that started when we still had an empire. It was the embers of empire, but we still had an empire. And the Queen's reign ended in a post-industrial society that bears almost no resemblance in many ways to the country that she inherited in 1952. And I think in so many ways that that story, that journey, um, became very, very much present in all our lives through her death. Mm. Peter, how, how do you think, you know, looking forward to the coronation of Charles next year. Yeah. How how do, how do you understand the significance of this? Not only this monumental historical moment of the Queen passing away, but yes. also everything that's come after that. Whether it's to do with the way that the monarchy is talking about reforming itself, slimming mm. itself down, um, and also what we've seen with the damage that's being wrought by Harry and Meghan. Yes. I mean, <clears throat> I think um, for my part, I mean, obviously it's interesting because here we are in Windsor, and this has been a sort of uh, epicenter along with London of a lot of the things that's happened this year. Mm. Uh, obviously the Queen, uh, some things, some memories uh, are imprinted forever. Um, you have to remember as well, you know, we had the Platinum Jubilee, which was this extraordinary celebration. Mm. Um, and uh, further along the road there is the Long Walk, which is mm. that famous processional walk. And uh, we were there to celebrate and see the beacon go up in in June and then of course we were there to see her coffin go past in uh, September and uh, so it's been a, a most extraordinary time um, I would say uh, the monarchy has got to be very very careful um, you know if you've been watching the channel we've all been talking about this this week um, I think the the what what they did with Lady Suzanne Susan Hussey was unforgivable and I think that actually that 
that might be a kind of Rubicon that they've mm. crossed, actually, because mm. the, you know, the monarchy is meant to be a unifying force, and suddenly people are saying, what the hell are they doing by mm. sacking this wall? I think that is very worrying. Um, having said that, I would say that the transition that we saw to King Charles III was quite extraordinary. Yes, it, it was really very, was. very smooth. Um, all the various uh, um, ceremonies that we saw, the accession council, things like that, um, which most people had never seen before or didn't even know existed. It was almost like they, they'd been doing them every week. It was mm. so sure-footed mm -hmm. and that was extraordinary. And I also thought Charles in the early days handled it very, very mm. well. I mean, I think the thing is, is that the monarchy is part of the value system of this country. So it will weather these storms that it's, it, that it's going through at the moment, um, certainly with Meghan and uh, Harry, it will. But I do think that they made rather an error in their you know, reaction to this uh, activist situation, you know, the, the woman who went into yeah. Buckingham Palace. I think I think they panicked, didn't they? They yes. just, they just yes. went into siege mode and said, well, well what do we do? And I, I've just mm. been thinking back um, across the royal story, and we've all been involved in various ways in commentating on it. And it's been an emotional roller coaster that, in a way, has reflected the emotional roller coaster of the story of the of the country over the last year, which has just been absolutely extraordinary, mm. isn't it? Um, but one of the things that I felt was um, particularly at the uh, you know the, the the death death of the Queen was was the sheer um, genuine genuine emotion mm. and and the sense of togetherness because don't forget we've been told for years and years and years that there, there is no society that we're completely fractured that Britain is completely broken and 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 we get that and mm. and it's real evidence that it isn't mm. and yet. This last few days with with Meghan and Harry and with uh, Lady Susan, just complete and utter shambles. It actually reminds me rather. I don't know if you remember actually, because you were <coughs> commentating on it. I think uh, the Golden Jubilee was this huge unexpected success back in two thousand and two. Mm. But by the end of the year, up came the Paul Burrell story, and it was almost like people in the media were saying, "You've had your fun." Right now, we're going to go for it yeah. again, and, and right at the end of the year, this happened. And that always to... happens, doesn't yes. it? You've, you've had your little bit of fun. Right, yes. we're going to bat you down. You'll yes, have exactly. to tell me what the Paul Burrell story is. Well, no, it was, uh, people will know. I'm sure mm. watching, but it was just uh, all these um, uh, revelations coming out. He was in court uh, about uh, whether he'd s uh, stolen possessions from Princess Diana. It was all very mm. tawdry. Most people f don't know the details probably now. But the, mm. the overall effect was to tarnish what had gone before, which mm. was a great sort of triumph, I think. I mean, I, I, you know, I think uh, it, it is, you are always going to be fighting um, a kind of, in the media, uh, disproportionate anti-monarchism. Despite what think, they though, say. part of what is worrying in, in what has changed with the Queen's passing, and this, is, this, this sort of caught me off guard with this, uh, Ngozi Fulani yeah. story mm -hmm. that the response from the palace was almost corporate woke speak. It was terrible. It was, mm -hmm. it was, terrible. was, a, it was a very corporate Worse. response condemning this poor lady mm. um, and it seemed completely out of keeping with the idea that you know it, the way that Harry and Meghan refer to the royal family as the firm. I hadn't heard that until all of the Harry and Meghan saga. What, because the firm? I think, you mean the firm? Well, I, no, no, they've the, always called themselves... But the way, the way that people think of them is in terms of a family. We don't think of them in, ter as in terms of, of, of a corporate, you know. Um, and so 
for me, that, that, that response suggests that, suggested to me that the, the, the way that the monarchy is changing itself is, it put, a, it put a slight dampener on the optimism that I had had after the response to the Queen's death. Mm. But what we've seen really has been a complete shift in terms of the people who are the powers behind the throne, if you will. Mm. Uh, the Queen's courtiers were very much an old school traditional mm. set who believed very much in things being done in the way they had actually been done during King George VI this time. These are people from the 1950s. Um, King Charles has a much more dynamic group of people advising him who aren't drawn from the same background and it's even more present in uh, Prince William, the Prince of Wales's uh, advisors who come from PR backgrounds and who are fully versed in all of this woke speak. And this is the problem that we have. You know, the monarchy's secret to success, and the reason that we have a monarchy, whereas you don't find them in, in, in so many European countries, is because our monarchy has evolved and adapted with the times. But it's always stayed just behind the times. Mm. And that's been its secret, to evolve and adapt. So our monarchy is very different to the monarchy of the 90s, which is very different to the monarchy of the 70s, mm. but it's never been at the cutting edge of fashion. Mm. And the danger here is that it is actually at the forefront of the culture wars. And the problem there is that you alienate your long-standing mm. supporters and you cannot take them for granted. I mean, yes, you can take me for granted. I'll be there with the monarchy till the very end. But at vast swathes of this yeah. country, and indeed amongst our viewers, you can see them growing what more and more that, dissatisfied well, actually, with the there's a, there's a danger, isn't there, that the monarchy is just going to become another institution. And, and the way they responded to, to that accusation, that you know, ludicrous, accusation was reminded me of, of you know the BBC or the universities mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. so it's I think Rafe you're absolutely right there it, it's it's a generational shift um, but them being at the cutting edge of all of this nonsense is actually really quite worrying. You anticipated I mean, my question as well, so I was <clears> going to ask, what do you think the risk looks like so what you know what, well, no, what, could, what could they become? Well you know, as you said, that they're, they are part of the culture wars now. I mean, the fact is, is that they are the living symbol <clears throat> of this whole decolonization mm. initiative. They're, they're the living symbol of it. Mm. I mean, you know, so the people that they want to carry favor with don't like them well, anyway. this is exactly what they just Day don't, Andrews. They do not. This is what is it about the establishment? If you go back to Cameron. It's like the Tory party, isn't it? Hug a hoodie. It's, yeah. the, it's the same thing. They somehow think. You know, I'm, can I do something in, in relation to the new culture forum here, actually? Um, you might have seen um, Douglas Murray arguing with uh, this year with Ed Vasey. You know, it was on YouTube and everything about um, education and all of that. Uh, I remember Ed Vasey spoke at the new culture forum once. Um, of all the, all the, he was conservative arts minister, right? Of all the things he could have said, the one thing he congratulated us on was that I had once tweeted saying we shouldn't judge actors if they're left wing. Um, I like Vanessa Redgrave and I can put her politics to one side, right? And you might think, well, what's this? But the fact is, is that that was the one thing as a Tory he congratulated us on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it, in other words, it's sort of against, you know, yeah. yes, we should reach out. They're never going to like you, Ed. Yeah. You know, the, Vanessa's <laughs> never going to like you. You yeah, know, this is the same, same issue, with, of course, with, with the Church of England, right? Yeah. The Church of England is trying to be so woke to reach parts of the of the population who will never come yeah. over, but they're alienating well, at the same time the congregation. And the danger here is that the Church of England, I mean, that, that the monarchy will become as irrelevant mm -hmm. 
uh, as the monarchy is, is uh, as the monarchy may fast become. And the, the real test for me was the coronation, mm -hmm. because the coronation service is one of the great jewels of Western civilization. Yeah. No country on the planet has a coronation service as ancient and as and, and as, uh, as as sacred as our cons as our constitutional consecration of, of a monarch. And to hear that it's being reduced, pared down from three and a half hours mm -hmm. down to barely two hours, mm -hmm. from 8,000 people to 2,000. The, ro the, the robes have been banned for the peers, who will now be wearing lounge suits, you know? There'll be people from, the, there'll be NHS key it's workers awful. in the congregation, rather, rather than the, the ancient ranks of the peerage or the chiefs of the general staff and so forth. And I, I remember, I used to be a very good friend of the old Maharaja of Darangadra, who was this wonderful chap who was the last ruling prince of his state when we still had a Raj. And he came up to Christchurch, Oxford in the 50s. He deliberately flew to Britain to shake hands with the King Emperor the, the week before he stopped being King Emperor. You know, the wonderful chap. And he said to me, as a Hindu scholar, not Christian at all, he said, any attempt to tamper with the, with the coronation would be an act of wanton destruction akin to dismantling Taj Mahal or Stonehenge. And for someone who's not Christian to think that, yeah. Yeah. we can see the appreciation that they have. And yet to try to appease or appear to placate the woke brigade you're going to dismantle this 1000 year old christian tradition i think it's scandalous well it's taking on a, an ideology that fundamentally wants to see them destroyed that's mm. that i mean that's that that's well, the absolute is, kernel so I, I was going to mention kinde andrews's response to the Fulani story mm. because he was actually uh, as he usually is actually quite explicit and clear about his his opinions on these sorts of things and he, he essentially said that an institution like the monarchy cannot be reformed because it is inherently white supremacist. So the, uh, the, the ultimate goal for, on the farthest end, the enemies of the monarchy, is of course for the monarchy to be done away with. But as we saw with the Fulani case, they crumbled like that. Um, and I, I, I look at that and I think, you know, maybe it's just I'm being a natural pessimist, uh, yeah, um, yeah. and I agree. I, you know, I couldn't agree more with what you were saying about the coronation as mm. well. That I didn't know that about the robes, mm. and I, I find I find it very worrying that it's the opposite of what they should be doing. What they should be doing mm. is having a large grand mm. coronation yes. because we mm. haven't had one in so long. The people need to see it. They need to be able to participate in their culture. We saw how well that worked with the Queen's funeral. Yes, exactly. And yeah. it shows hope. It shows mm. it shows an expectation of the monarchy going into the future. This is just like, it's almost like the monarchy is expecting to go out with a whimper and, and to just and be it transformed. It, para it parades, sorry to interrupt mm. you, it parades a kind of identity that fights back against this other kind of identity. I was just thinking about this the other day. There's a sense of what is Britishness, the, the, the traditional aspects of Britishness, which is, you know, the, the, the monarchy, democracy, family, the common law, all of those things on the one hand. The, the, the woke uh, BLM, LGBTQI stuff on the other hand is pushing, is trying to push all of that and stuff away. So just to make the point very quickly, that. If, if you ask young people about you know mm -hmm. what is Britishness, they'll say all of the alphabet stuff. They won't they won't say the the traditional stuff. Yeah. And for you know for the monarchy and for the institutions to appropriate that identity, it's not just a set of yeah. idea, ideas. They're taking on a different identity, mm -hmm. and because they're taking on that identity, they're destroying the identity that's there. I think that that is absolutely key because. It, it goes to the very heart of, of liberalism, the mm. idea that we are defined by values, we're defined by, defined by something in the abstract. Yeah. 
we're not we're defined by these material historical things mm. because values but change it, all the time and, well, yeah actually that's a very interesting point actually because you see um you know i, I live here i moved out of uh, london a year ago <clears throat> and um again um if you had to sort of um this point about values signing up to values right um when people now say well what is a londoner right i always thought i knew what a londoner was it's it's a kind of communal backstory, mm. um, a communal history, right? Uh, now, being a Londoner is signing up to a set of values. Mm. That is how you define a Londoner, right? Um, those values are not ones I share, right? So hence, skedaddle. But um, it, this is the point. It's these, well, what are these values? Uh, environmentalism, multiculturalism, um, you know, citizens of the world, shit, mm. all of these things, um, liberal values. Um, and in fact, you can't actually just create something out of a kind of check sheet but even, of values. Even, you, you know, it, you know you, you, it's either there organically or it's not, you know, even, increasingly even, it's not. Even the definition of British values, uh, democracy, tolerance, mm -hmm all of these things that you would you would say yes these things are good mm. but they're not what make us us no, no. it's a completely shallow ab abstraction of who we are as a people so no wonder that nothing can survive on this like actually, milk. beneath those <laughs> beneath those values actually it's not even a set of values it's something much more it's, it's mm. quicksand mm. it's a set of rights claims and they mm. really do change all the time well, I think this is it because the reality is that set of values applies only to predominantly white liberals living in London. Mm -hmm. To the vast majority of London, actually, there are other values, values that they brought with them, which run counter to those very liberal values. I think um, before you move on to another topic, which I'm sure you're about to, he said, pushing her along. Um, I think the, uh, the, what is interesting is that one of the highest selling prints this year was by an artist in, in Yorkshire this uh, lady who's seen her career just transformed. She did this beautiful little print, a drawing of the Queen going into the distance holding Paddington Bear's hand. Mm. And this has struck a chord because it was a kind of farewell. And it's very hard to look back now on June without seeing it as a kind of farewell. You know, mm. There was more celebration at this Jubilee than, at, than any time since the Silver Jubilee. But was it actually a sort of swan song you know it's hard not to see mm -hmm. it maybe it's hard point. to imagine that kind of outpouring for charles that's for mm. sure but you're right we do have to move on oh um, by the way we, we have people here yeah you just read my mind so i was just going <laughs> to say not only are we inviting you to have a drink here with us for our christmas special but we also have some friends here come on hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> um so the inappropriate transition now to talk about immigration and the census um, <laughs> uh, so Peter, do you want to kick us off by taking us through? No, it's, 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 it is actually uh, in a year full of um, sort of firsts, if you like, uh, and um, and historical uh, precedents being set. Uh, we had the highest level of migration on record this year: five hundred thousand uh, people coming uh, net into Britain. Um, what I think is interesting by the end of the year something which they had managed to kick into the long grass. I never thought people actually really did give up caring about it, but that was the received wisdom that people cared less because they thought things were under control. Um, that has now been blown apart, right? And 
I think therefore immigration will will be it'll be the uh, death of the Tory party mm. right looking forward actually um, and I think it will become the kind of Brexit of the next few years mm. um, and I think it's quite right that it should be uh, because more than any other issue people have been systematically ignored on this mm-hmm. for so long I think it's the reason why our system has you know there's so such a diminishing of trust in our system mm. because of this because the the very root of what we are has been essentially transformed without consent mm. Mm. without consent I think um, Douglas Murray I think you mentioned this in in, in a, the, a show a couple of weeks ago where Douglas Murray said it, it's it's the one thing First, it's going to. My guess is it might well do for the Tory party, as, as you've just said, because consistently they haven't done anything about it. I mean, I can't think of anything that they have done. I was just thinking about the Tory party generally, and um, you know, between us, we know we know lots of Tories, don't we? We know lots yeah. of people who conservatives, small yeah. C conservatives. Yeah. I don't know anyone who's actually going to vote for the Conservative Party this time. But that's that's slightly an aside. Douglas Murray said we didn't vote for this. Nobody mm-hmm. voted for this. It was just foisted upon us, and it is and it is fundamental demographic change that is going to absolutely. Well, this is fact. change. I, I would just simply come back on that. Yes, of course. Uh, the other historical thing this year is that we've got three cities, uh, our biggest cities, mm. <clears throat> now with minority white British. I mean, but and to an extraordinary extent, mm. um, in London, it's now thirty-six percent. I think white British. Within a generation, within a generation, you're going off to see a film about London tomorrow, aren't you? 1992, right? 1992, just over a generation, uh, an art transformation, mm. right? Which, and also retrospectively, what they're doing now is retrospectively saying, but actually, it was always the way. It was always the way. What are you arguing about? No, it was but not. You've made this point before, haven't you? That that you know, n- not just a country, but also a city. Is the historical memories of its people, yeah. and if you if you bring in new people, mm. then you, the the attachment to the place, the memories of what took place in certain, and the relevance of that to you as a person, uh, well, that, that that nuance. cord is broken. Mm. But it's the collective memory, as you were saying the other the the other day, mm. isn't it? The collective memory just just disintegrates, um, and and with the, the 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 experience, the collective experience, the culture disintegrates. That's, that's just what happens, it, and that's how things come to an end. It's also the year that we've seen uh, what historic numbers of people coming illegally across the channel, but particularly young men from Albania. Mm. Albania is a Muslim-majority country. Of all of the religions in the census, the one that grew the most uh, in, was, was Islam over the last 10 years. So in some ways, this is not just the year in review. This is the last decade mm. in review. Um, and the upheaval that, that we have identified now, we all knew it because we saw it happening, but we now have confirmation of that. Mm. You know, what, if, if we're looking forward to next year and we're looking at the trends, we're looking at exponentially higher number, numbers of people coming illegally across the channel, probably nothing much being done about that. Yeah, how 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 does that make you feel, Rafe? <laughs> well, all I can say is, you know, had Hitler known it would be so easy to just buy some dinghies and cross the channel rather than use battleships, you know, <laughs> he may well have invaded this country. So inept are we are keeping back people coming over by on a rubber boat, apparently. But yeah, it's, you know, we've had ten thousand Albanians come over. About two percent of the population of Albania, mm. uh, you know, eight thousand of them have been young men of fighting age. 
I saw a map somewhere showing all of the hotels around the country. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 400, and 400. Some, and something like there are 40,000 young men of fighting age mm. encamped around the entire spine of this nation. I mean, this, this is an army at, at rest in this country, mm. all of whom, or mm. many of whom, are here without having any legal rights to being here in terms of being genuine asylum mm. seekers. This is a huge betrayal by the Tory party of the British people. People voted in 2016 to take back control. Mm. Every manifesto the Tory party have put out for the last 15 years mm. has promised to get immigration down to the tens of thousands mm. until the last manifesto, which was just to reduce it. And by any measure, not only have they failed, mm. they have betrayed the nation in willingly going along with this Blairite revolution, but actually putting it into steroids, mm. because we have to discount this whole notion of 500,000 net immigration, mm. because it's actually 1.1 million immigration in total. 500,000 people left this country mm. and you have to ask who was actually leaving mm. and there's a brain drain going on mm. people don't discuss this mm. the brightest and the best of this nation mm. are going to America to Canada Australia and elsewhere so this is a, a, in large part a replacement of the population in such a short period of time and Peter you were saying London has gone from almost 60% in 2001 white mm. British 59% mm. down to 36.6% mm. completely with unprecedented no society can sustain such change. Mm. Can I just make one more point on that as well? It's not just about the kind of the influx and the change, it's about the um, the idea of siege, isn't it? And we saw Albanian flags flying in, yeah. in very symbolic and emotive places and with nobody seemingly doing anything about it, anything meaningful about it. So there is a sense it's not only just bodies, its ideology and its culture, it's all well, it, of those things. This leads us together. very cleanly on to the subject of the unbelievable political change. That's, well, mm. I say unbelievable political change, nothing really ever does change, but the personnel has changed dramatically. We've had how many prime ministers this it's year? Just, it's, it's three <laughs> prime ministers technically, mm. isn't it? Boris Johnson, Liz mm. Truss and now was she? And who knows how many it's people like in various other posts. So we, I think we've broken some records for, mm. for the shortest amount of time in particular ministerial posts. Um, and we've seen, as you were saying, Rafe, total ineptitude in dealing with um, illegal immigration, total ineptitude in dealing with crime, in dealing with the ju Just Stop Oil protesters who have been causing chaos. We've seen um, increasing strikes, talk of a general strike. Um, so lots of people have said that this is like going back to the 1970s. It sort of is, I, I mean, I sorry, because um, I, actually I think I probably can remember the 70s better than anyone here, actually. My first uh, time I ever voted was indeed 1979. Uh, with uh, the difference was, yes, it is like the 70s, in that sense, with one big difference. We were culturally quite intact yeah. in the 70s. Yeah, that's the difference. Um, and the difference that makes is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it was an economic battle that Thatcher came in to win. Um, Thatcher didn't do very much on the cultural front. Um, the point's often made, but she didn't really need to. Mm. Now, you know, it was all notional. Mm. Oh, lefties in the arts, lefties in schools. Yeah, mm. sure, okay. Not a big problem. Um, so it wasn't a compelling thing. It was the economic thing, which... It's, she seemed to have slain, mm -hmm. and I still think actually probably has. I think that that argument has actually been won, um, capitalism or socialism. But uh, no, we were still very much, uh, we knew who we were. Mm. We absolutely knew who we were, and uh, that has entirely changed. What's also changed, as I'm sure you 
for me anyway, is the caliber of the people. When yeah. when you see, I think Rafe, you, didn't you yeah. put up um, you put up a tweet? Watch yeah. Earth Thatcher leaving Downing Street, like thirty years or whatever it was ago, and you look and you think, my God, they were people of extraordinary stature once, mm -hmm. and you look at that joke of a politician, Liz Truss, and you sort of think, how low? Can we possibly go? Or can even we, Rishi Sunak, who seems like a head boy. Yes, can we, can we kind of go any lower? And I think the reason for that is our politics now, they're so degraded, uh, who is going to go into it? Hmm. We're also, we've all, one of, another aspect of this is you know, predictions of the death of the Conservative Party, whether it will fracture, whether we'll see a new party possibly reform rising up. Um, and what what do you think of that? Do you, do you think that in the last year what we've seen are the final breaths of the Conservative well, Party? I, I can understand why many would argue that 2022 has been the year that the Tories signed their death warrant, or at least were put onto death watch or diagnosed with a terminal disease. To think, <laughs> to think how they've gone from you know 2019 yeah. with an 80-seat majority, you know, three years ago, there was so much hope there, and we were all forecasting. I certainly was at least ten years of Tory rule because to get rid of eighty seats was oh, it's more, most people was in a generation, maybe even fifteen yeah. years. Yeah. And you had Dominic Cummings there, who had in place this plan to re reform the BBC, reform the civil service, do many of the changes that were absolutely necessary, mm. and to see that hemorrhaged away mm. through such incompetence. And then to see Liz Truss bringing in the very policies that actually Boris Johnson and Cummings knew wouldn't work, mm. going hard to the right mm. on, on, on economics when only 6% of the nation want that, and then going f far to the left on immigration, mm. opening up open borders, mm. completely a deaf, a deaf tone to what the nation wants. And I thought after that, the Tory party just doesn't get it. I, 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 I think we have to bring Peter Hitchens into this, don't we? Because mm. he's always said for years and years and mm. years, the only way to get true conservatism is to, is to well, essentially uh, crash the, the vehicle that bears the name, which is the Conservative and Unionist Party. And, and, and I, I'd always kind of balked at that. And I always thought, well, well no, because um, if we, you know, if, if you don't vote Conservative, then you, then you get Labour and that's going to be 10 times worse. And I'm struggling to see the difference between the two of them. Mm. Well, we it's not we 10 times worse. Anyway. It's not 10 times no, worse. That's what I'm saying. Difference. I'm struggling to see the difference. Which means yeah, that people yeah. will think, well, what, what's, what's, what's different if I vote for the Labour mm. Party? Because I can't take any more of this. Well, actually, Which, they're going further than that, aren't they? Because they're kind of outflanking the Tories mm. on some things. They're right? outflanking the Tories on immigration. On immigration, yeah. certainly. Yeah. Yeah. If you see people like Owen Jones and Ash Sarkar up in arms about Keir Starmer all the time. Mm. You know that Keir Starmer yeah. understands where the centre ground is and may, may pull off But how, a Blair, how cynical a Blair that revolution. may be. And, and there's just one more thing as well. That, that, that is no reason to vote for anybody just because you don't want someone. You know, you, yeah. you've yeah. got to vote positively and you've got to vote for what you want. So I'm thinking like, I think like everybody else, I'm looking to the smaller parties now. Some, something that really does need mentioning as well is the whole cost of living situation. Yeah. Obviously there's the there's so much that's happened this year to cover the, the war in Ukraine, the cost of energy, the cost of food, the fact that the Conservatives have responded by basically taxing everybody up to the eyeballs so that they, mm. you know, are drowning in all sorts of stealth taxes and things like that. What do you think are the, the implications of this if we look to the year ahead? You know, do, do you think that people will think, well, I might as well vote for Labour? Do you think that the Reform Party will start creeping up even even you know getting much higher numbers in the polls well put it this with the reform party uh, we had as we spoke to richard tice recently you know 
many people quite like the Cartavis uh, uh, Jib, but um, I think the thing is, UKIP started. UKIP started in 1993, and it took it until 2008, I think, mm. actually, to seriously break mm. through. Mm. So you're talking about a long time. Right? We don't um, have the luxury of time. Is, <laughs> if you're looking at the future, because we're talking about very, on the whole, very granny grim things, aren't we? Mm. Right? But one real big chink of light is that we've got two years now until the election. We will know, you know, in a defining way whether the Tory party kind of goes in a kind of candidate type way, mm. you know, in the 1990s, or whether it survives or what. But there will be something which will be quite profoundly defining. And that's actually gives you should give you cheer in, in the sense that you something to work towards something to work finally finally if you want to get rid of this hulk of a or should i say husk of a toy mm. party mm. now is the time mm. now is the time no but, other time but the the, the walk-up to that is just going to be one instance of chaos after another mm. after another after mm. another because mm. that's what we've had for the last few years and it's actually intensified it's ratcheted up so mm. much in this year that I look with the cost of living you're talking about the cost of living crisis I, I look forward bearing that in mind and I just see utter catastrophe mm. chaos we have to remember also though that the Tory party is the world's oldest and most successful party mm. and has achieved that by having no ideology and no principles mm. unlike the left no Tory's <laughs> ever read a book of a philosophy don't right? hold that they're right. entirely no but they're entirely <laughs> true. true they're entirely pragmatic you yeah. know that's not, not a bad thing in and of itself but that's how they've managed to stay so long mm. so what we actually may end up having is a repeat of what happened in 97 the Tories out of power for a decade or so mm -hmm. to get their house in order because I think I think my point has always been for a long time Actually, only 40% of this country tend to vote for right-wing parties. 60% vote for left-wing parties. The, the advantage the Tories have had is that the left has been fractured for so long. So if we do fracture the right-wing vote, which I think we will, and I think it needs to be done, between, say, reform and, um, and the Tories, then that's the Conservatives. Mm. I mean, that's the right-wing out of power for a generation. Unfortunately, we're running a bit low on time. So final thoughts on possibly the most discussed subject on Newspeak this year, mm. which is culture. Mm. Uh, so Philip, do you want to take us through your your sort of review of the year in terms of all that's been going on with the woke, I hate using that term now, but the woke march through our institutions and our culture and, the, and just a general lack of, of good cultural yeah products you know good films or good anything well um, the lack I, thereof. I, I think <laughs> Peter mentioned that the other day and it got me to thinking about emblems and it got me to thinking about the uh, the identitarians and the woke in, in in the way in which they're imposing themselves on us in a way that they've never done before so yes the the rainbow flag has been around for years but now it's utterly ubiquitous it's you know it's on postal vans it's at the train station it's everywhere um, we've got coppers in size 12 red stiletto <laughs> shoes with their uniforms and this is and, but no this is a this is a statement isn't it saying you know you've got to not only accept this you've got to buy into it as well so you can't be passive anymore you can't just say nothing and be non-racist now you have to be 
actively anti-racist. And of course that doesn't mean you're being anti-racist, it just means you're being ideological. But what they're doing with all of these emblems and all of these kind of very in your face saying, look, we're here, respond to us, they're making you actively buy into these things. And if you don't buy into these things, you become victimized immediately. You know, you're, if you're quiet on racism and you're just quietly non-racist, then you're an enabler. Silence is violence. Silence is violence, but, but you're, you're, you're not an ally. And I think what's happened with, uh, with, uh, with, with the woke um, revolution, I suppose, is this, this ratcheting up. So the word ally, which used to be a very positive word to me, has become one of the most sinister words in the language. Peter, do you think that mm. ideology has basically killed off culture in the sense that there ha we've seen some films getting cancelled this year because they were so woke mm. that nobody wanted to see them? Yeah, but um, I'd say that, that is the, those are the exception that proves the rule. I mean, yeah. people, people make a lot of fuss about these films, quite right. Bat, Batwoman was one, I and think. She-Hulk or something. Yeah. Silly. Um, I mean, generally speaking, you know what you're going to get. <laughs> Yeah. You know what you're going to get. But we're not From actually seeing any, uh, there isn't a great deal of good art being made, unless I'm missing No, it. I think well, there, there was a very, the very rom-com as well, wasn't there? I can't remember, was it called Bros or something? But mm. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just a gay rom-com, it was a queer rom-com, wasn't it? Mm. And that absolutely tanked, you know, mm. and, and, and so that's another example. But you also had that film, Woman, was it Woman King? About the, oh, black, yeah. the black warriors in Benin and the Kingdom of Dahomey. And they were celebrated as a champions, That's you know, these, these yeah. great feminist, you know, mm. figures we should all sort of idolize. And these were slave owned. This was this was one of the most brutal slave owning areas of Africa. And well, King, King Giza, King Giza of Dahomey was the biggest slave, you know, in terms of the percentage of the, his population. And they would annually, the they would annu the annually slaughter thousands of slaves mm. in, in in human sacrifice mm. rituals, you know. And you couldn't imagine making a film about these people if they were white, but because they were black, nobody in the mainstream media once thought there was something at, at all odd about celebrating the worst possible slave owners that ever existed. I, I think the thing is, I mean, sorry, I mean, you know, with this, this symbol, you just mentioned critic, critics. Um, the, the point is about the whole kind of cultural output, is that you know on the whole that you, what you're going to get, as I said, you also know what the critics are going to say. Um, you also know that they will never ever stand up for what seems to be a right-wing film. Um, just think about it. Every novel, I go into Waterson's now, I, I look, I think, oh, maybe I should read, and I think, you know what, why? Mm. What's the point, mm. actually? They have a staff pick there, it's all left wing. You know that the novels are going to be largely orthodox. Mm. I mean, it, we have an exhausted culture anyway. I mean, that was the case anyway, you know? But I think that. Um, basically ideology to go back to your question Emma has trumped everything else and that's absolutely the death of death of creativity it that's why nothing has any resonance mm. anymore mm. nothing has any resonance it's a lifestyle choice it's mm. become a lifestyle choice you know that's that's all it, what it's, worries me is that they can get on with it if they like what worries me is when they start doing it retrospectively yeah I think just one thing on, on that uh, picks you know the the, the staff picks yeah. there uh, I don't go to Waterstones anymore now, but there used to be, you know, there used to be years ago, there used to be a, a, a whole array of, of yeah, yeah. you know, of novels. 
Uh, and I'm thinking of um, Dahomey, and I'm thinking of the the novelist George MacDonald Fraser, who wrote the Flashman series, yes, of, of, yeah, yeah. which uh, Flash for Freedom is absolutely about that. Um, but he, his novels used to be on the shelves, and I don't think they're there anymore. I think they've been taken away because they're they're not, uh, you know. So we we right. can't end on a bleak note because it's no. Christmas, and we're running out yeah. of time. Yeah. Um, so. I think we should go through our highlights of the year mm. um, in in brief, of course. Mm. Um, so I'll I'll start by saying for me the highlight of the year was actually being in the queue, oh, seeing yeah, Her Majesty, yeah, yeah. and seeing. So I, as a child, when I met the Queen, forgot to curtsy to her, and I kicked myself for it. For I was mm. mortified. Um, and I finally got the opportunity to and curtsy. And you got ill, didn't you? As a result. I did, yeah. I was, I was, I was, I was yes. out for a week. Um, mm. But what about you, Peter? What's yeah, your no, I was in that queue too. And dare I say it, God, major, you know, with our, with our viewers, um, uh, the BBC did something quite special. I think it wasn't even intentional. But by having that live stream of the mm. queue, they have forever kept a snapshot of Britain in 2022. Mm. Um, it was utterly compelling. You couldn't stop watching it. You know? mm. So I think that was wonderful. On a personal level, um, I brag about it. I had a wonderful two-hour meeting with President, with Prime Minister Viktor Orban. Mm. Uh, so for, for me, that is a very um, <laughs> that's a real highlight um, for the year. I think that's going to be hard. That's going to be hard to outdo. I'm afraid. So <laughs> well, Philip, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I can't. I can't say I've met any um, presidents or prime ministers or anything uh, this year. But who knows about next year? But uh, for me, actually, it's it's contributing to the book, mm. fighting back, mm, 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 um, yeah. mainly because it's such a positive response mm. to the culture war, and it's part of and our our. Brilliant editor uh, Stephen is just sat opposite me here. Um, it's 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 part of the orchestration. It's it's part of a, a, a very definite and organised pushback, and I'm yeah. very proud to be mm. at the vanguard of that. Yeah, it's a good moment. Right. And for me, well, it's not dissimilar to your own, but it was in June when I was outside the palace commentating for the Platinum Jubilee. And I was on this raised dais, happened to have Nigel Farage on my right-hand side, by the by, uh, which added, added to the moment a bit, because we, we both commented on it. And the Queen came out on the balcony for the very last time. Mm. We were there. With the whole that, family. That should have been as the, planes, as the planes flew past, the Great Battle of Britain, mm. memorial uh, uh, flights uh, came over as well. And I thought, gosh, she's been there in our lives since the Second World War. We remember that first appearance before she was Queen with Winston Churchill, Margaret, Elizabeth, her mother and King George. They've all gone. She was the last remaining figure from that era. And now she's gone from all of our lives. But that was a nice end to that chapter. Mm. What a beautiful, beautiful note to end our Christmas mm. special on. So thank you. We should, should we uh, wish people happy Christmas? Yes, we, uh, well. Charge your glasses. <laughs> Indeed. You're, 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 you're not drinking, me, are you? I've got a little bit of Coke. Coca-Cola, I should say. Uh, so yeah. I just wanted to start by saying thank you to all of you guys for watching us. Yeah, and thank Jay. you for watching at home and for watching <laughs> us for the entire year as well. Yeah. And so many of you who have given your comments below and who have come to our event and um, it's been a joy meeting you over the last year. Oh, it has been And fantastic. thank you so much, Peter, for everything that you're doing yeah. in the Culture yeah. Forum. Thank you, Ray. Thanks. Thank you, Philip. Yeah. Thank you, and Ollie. Cheers, Merry Christmas. And thanks, yes. Ollie. Cheers. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, Happy thank Christmas. Thank you, Ollie. Yeah. Thank you, Ollie. Our long-suffering camera. cameraman. Yeah, thank you. Take Merry care. Christmas. Bye-bye. Hello. If you're enjoying the new Culture Forum channel, 
and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as three pounds per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you. Thank you.